Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at FreelanceRemoteConf.com. I name things all the time in my head. There's no shame in that. <laughs> um, I can forget how the Yeah, floor- in fact, I do that too. I actually rename Word once in a while. <laughs> I still remember watching you forget the four operator, so don't you... <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Howdy ho. John Papa. Hello. Ward Bell. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we are going to be talking about Angular 2 and RxJS. And I, I made a mistake when I was when we were discussing this and I actually said NGRX. So can we just speak that those are two different things? Yeah, they really are. <laughs> NGRX is a project that brings together Angular and our XJS in a, uh, in a series of libraries, um, just for those people who want to want to know what that is. Um, but we're not talking about that project, okay. interesting as it is. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, how, as an Angular developer, you might um, encounter uh, RxJS and use it directly rather than um, as inside some other library. So I was asking you guys before the show because as far as my experience with RxJS goes, I know of it and I've played around with it, but in my day-to-day I don't use it. So I would love to know, like, do you guys actually use this every single day and you're observable like, like all the things or not really? Like, where are you guys at? Uh, I think a day without RxJS is like a day without sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> you, John? That is awesome. I love it. Um, I'm sure John feels the same way. Uh, but no... You know, as uh, gosh, it seems like about a year ago, I was somehow known as the RxJS hater, the observable hater, uh, <laughs> because I, I was, uh, you know, I'm asking questions like you're asking, because the concept count here in the world of uh, JavaScript programming in an Angular seems awfully high. Mm, yeah. Is this just one more thing that I had to use? Uh, um, because it, it was clearly very much a part of Angular. Well, let, let's be clear about that. Um, the, when I say it's part of Angular, there are many parts of Angular that take a dependency on observables as implemented in RxJS. So that seems like a commitment to me. Uh, the router is an example. Um, the HTTP is an example, the HTTP module. Um, both of these, while they are plugins for the core Angular, um, they certainly, uh, use, you know, we're all going to use those things and they use observable and there are, uh, 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 oh, forms, which is another plugin module uses observable. So there are that, um, use observable and, and clearly, um, uh, the team is fond of it. 
And so you have to ask yourself, how fond of it do I have to be? And I, originally, when there was so much to learn, uh, I, I was just trying very hard to put it to the side. And uh, Alyssa, it sounds like you've been able to keep it to the side for the most of your time, right? Yeah, for the most part. But I am seeing, I don't know, I see a lot of cool things you can do with it, but I just... I would love to know like the vitality of it because you're, you're saying that you've gotten over, not that it was a hatred of observables, but just you've gotten into using it more regularly. And I don't know, could you really imagine like not developing without it now? Is it that core to what you do? Well, um, hmm. I just because, just, because I have to use HTTP because I have to get data, I'm kind of have to, we all have to confront it at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was our entree into it for most of us. And we just said, why world can't we use promises? Because we, we kind of <laughs> got used to those. And uh, the fact is that you can. And so one of the first things you do as a new Angular developer is you say, I don't have time to learn this observable stuff. So I will take this take the result of an HTTP get and I will throw a promise onto it. Uh, I will just turn it into a promise and I'll be on my merry way. And indeed, uh, you can then go pretty far. As a matter of fact, you can go as far as you ever did in any, um, any of your other application development. Uh, you can just say that's going to be, you know, I'll find any time I run into this darn observable thing, I'll use the one operator I know called two promise, and then I'll be back in the land of the familiar. <laughs> and more before we go too far down answering Alyssa's question, I think it's worth stepping back for a second because you, you kind of hinted at the concept count. It's not just RxJS's concept count. It's, it's the JavaScript concept count. And yep. I think all of us, in different ways, anytime we hear about a new technology and something and we hear, okay, you've got to learn foo or bar or whatever it is to use this, the first thing in our, at least in my head usually is like, do I really need to know that? Because I'm trying to learn eight other things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And can I at least put it aside for a few minutes or a few days or a few weeks until I need it? And when exactly is that point where I need it? Because yeah. if you don't do that, every buzzword you hear, you've, you've got to dive into and that's where you feel like you're drowning. Well, and just mm. to pile on here, I mean, even if there are core pieces of me building a new app with Angular 2 or 4 or 10 or whatever version we're on, um, the thing is, is like, can I just kind of cargo cult a little bit of it while I learn everything else and then come back to it? So it's not even, can I short circuit it and not use it? It's just, can I just kind of understand that it's there and that it's involved in this somehow? And then I'll come back to it when I actually need to go deeper on it. Exactly. And the, the good news from that perspective is you absolutely can. You, like I said, you can just, uh, whenever you run into it, you can turn it into a promise and, and continue. Um, but there'll be this sort of nagging feeling that you're missing out on something. And you're not quite sure whether what you're missing out on is important or not. And in the beginning, when you're just trying to get your application to stand up, um, let's all agree, it's not important. <laughs> You're getting your application to stand up. That's important. Um, and I think it's also safe to say that it's not going to be a five-minute learning experience um, to learn about observables. I don't know anyone um, who has learned it in five minutes. 
Um, so it's going to take an investment, and an, and an investment is going to mean that it has to have it be justified by something. And this is, again, not just for RxJS, but pretty much almost everything we learn out there. I mean, how frequently do you learn a new JavaScript thing, whether it's a library or other concept, and you learn it in five minutes? So I think this is generally what Chuck says is a good practice. Find out if you need to know it right this minute or not, and don't discard it. You know, Put it on a shelf and think about, hey, when I get to this point and I understand what I'm doing now, then come back to that thing. And you can do that with RxJS too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, so, uh, but what happens though is, is it, well, A, it's sort of nagging at you because, because uh, Angular, you know, they, they embedded this in here and it's, and it's kind of like, you know, why would they do that? I, I do feel like I'm, I must be missing out on something. And uh, yeah, so, so one of the thing, experiences that I think we've all had is we've gone and we've looked at the, at the, the public discussion of observables in RxJS, and boy, does it ever sound like a bunch of folks saying, it's so cool, it's functional, dude, you know? And, I, and that, for me, is not a reason to do something. Come on, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, smoke this. No, no, I'm not. I'm not just taking whatever you're handing over here and lighting it up. I mean, I stopped doing that when I was younger. So, uh, at least last <laughs> week. So, so uh, I need more. Okay, can, and, I, can I back you up here for a second, Ward? Yeah, because, sure. Because um, in some instances, like if I use the CLI, I'm pretty sure that it puts observables or RxJS into my mix. But if I've been building on beta four, beta five or whatever, um, I had to remember to import it myself, and I can never remember exactly what to import. So if, if I decide, oh, I'm going to pull this into my project and start fiddling with it, how do I do that, you know, in an existing Angular post one world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, so uh, Angular is using it, but you don't have to, right? Except that, of course, if you want to consume the result of an HTTP call, all right. That's probably the first place I ever remember pulling any in uh, anything that had the word observable in it. All right. Um, I can't remember that I needed to do it any time before that. Um, so yeah, what do I you agree with you? Same here. So so uh, and that's just to use get it to promise. Right. So that's your that's most people's introduction to observable. And uh, you discover that because you say HTTP get and then you're kind of thinking you're going to throw a then on it because you figure it's going to be a promise. And I'm going to assume our audience is past the point. They know what a promise is. Um, and, and you can't. And you can't go dot then. And then um, – but what you can do um, is you can do a dot subscribe. You learn you can do that. And you say, well, I guess I don't have to import anything. I'll just treat then. I'll just replace the word then with subscribe and do what I would normally do. And everything works. And it does. You can do that. Um, so uh, you can go along a little bit longer without actually importing anything. But, but eventually um, you decide that you – want to actually um, manipulate something and now you have to import something and um, so yeah uh, you discover that it that what has happened Chuck is that you have installed the RxJS world is part of your is one of your packages that you're just going to have installed it so it's already there it's already there and you will find evidence of it in your index.html usually 
um, because it's one of the very few scripts that gets loaded early in the index.html, no matter what you did. So it's sitting there waiting for you. And at that point, um, let's say you just wanted to use the to promise thing. You want um, that for some reason, then then you will do a, the first funny dance that you'll learn in Angular, which <laughs> is um, you have the strangest import statement you've ever seen. It's import, and then there's no brace, no star, no nothing. It just goes right to the... Um, to the to a quote mark, not even a from, just a quote mark, and then it's then you're saying rxjs slash add slash operator slash to promise, and you say what? Uh, how does that even work? Uh, and what the heck is going on there? Um, but that's how you encounter it, and that's how you bring that thing in. Does that answer your question, Chuck? Or what would you like to know next? No, that's pretty much it because I was doing all kinds of searching like how do I use Angular 2 with RxJS and uh, I found a couple of arcane import statements and then I was like, you know, that's not really what I'm looking for and it took me a while to figure out, oh, it's sort of mostly already there and the, yeah. Yeah, one, well, thing to, one thing to comment on too, Ward mentioned that you could have it in your index.html and you could. But most of the examples you see in the docs are either going to use it through the CLI, which does it through uh, different means, or it's going to use like a system uh, JS configuration file to get mm -hmm. it to. So there's other ways to get it besides just index.html scripts. Yeah. Well, I couldn't quite remember that part because I don't look there anymore. I mean, I just assume it's in my environment. It, like a lot of things, like Angular, you know, it's there, right? So I have to, I, if I want to use it, uh, use one of those operators. That I mean, that may be where I discover it. But the fact of the matter is, it's a library um, like Angular itself, and so if I want to use Observable, the class Observable, that would be pretty normal. I'll do the import brace operator brace from uh, RxJS slash Observable. All right, that's pretty normal. So you wouldn't that, say import observable from RxJS? Yes, that's exactly what I was just saying. Oh, okay, gotcha. But from RxJS slash observable, not from RxJS. All right, it's all, in other words, the way you use, the way you use observable piece, parts and pieces. Gosh, this was not the way I wanted to talk about this. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. I was going to try and like, why would you want to do it? Instead, we're down in the weeds about how you do it. Oh. <laughs> all right. So. Um, we can come up for air in a minute, but yeah. since we're here. All right. You want, if you want, since we're in the weeds, yeah. let's enjoy the weeds. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, so yes, you, uh, as a practice, you do not import from RxJS. You import from RxJS slash whatever it is you want. You want to, you want to drill in. And there's a reason for that. The reason because the RxJS police will find you. That is number one. <laughs> number two is that RxJS, the library is very big. And we're trying, we try and write our applications so that they are uh, not big, all right? We try and bring in just what we need. Um, and now when you're just, just starting out and you have absolutely no concern for size at all, go ahead and take it from RxJS. But you won't see any code written that way. You won't see anything from the samples written that way or in our documentation because we don't teach it that way. We teach it that you bring in what you need when you need it. And, and the only way to do that 
is to to go drill in a little bit. And so that's why you import observable from RxJS slash observable. And that's why also you do all that other funky stuff that I was talking about with the add operator jazz. Mm. What you're doing is that you're bringing in the pieces one by one that you need and leaving out all the pieces that you don't need. So that totally, totally makes sense. Is, is, ArcGIS as a whole, when you, because it turns out, unlike promises, it's a pretty rich uh, bag of tricks. And <laughs> there's a lot of code in that bag, and you're not going to use it all. So um, don't bring it all in. Are you, are you talking specifically about um, extensions for RxJS, mm. or are you talking about RxJS as a library as a whole? You're just not going to use the whole thing. Uh, well, those. Uh, I think when you said extensions, I was thinking about most of what observ of RxJS is a, is a collection of extensions yes. to observable, right? And so I now we have to then go talk about that. Um, basically, we, um, it works like this: uh, observable is a very, very, very simple and small class, and that. Uh, is it's 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 a function that looks at um, it takes in an observer which is watching something produce events and um, and that I'm sorry it it has some kind of a producer where this is producing all these events and then somebody who wants to know about those events that is to say a subscriber or an observer says here you can call my next method when um, when you found one of those events um, that's all you got to do and that's pretty much uh, basically what an observable is but it what's what makes the, everybody excited about this is the ability to compose um, uh, uh, operations on, it's just on the end of the, each observable so you don't just say I want to know when the keystroke went up you say but I, I also want to only consider keystrokes of a certain kind or I want to wait and accumulate keystrokes and wait until the user stops typing before I take an operation or I, and then when I've done that I want to wait until I want to make sure that it, the net result is actually something different and only after I've done all of these gymnastics am I actually interested in the result and so because it, one of the things you do in observe, uh, when you're dealing with observables is you piece these these operations together you use operators to do it mm -hmm. does that make sense yep and that's the power of it is that you can chain these operators together chaining method chaining you know you start with something some observable and it's dot a dot b dot c dot d that that's how you create a rich result out of old pieces and that's so the functional approach as I was yep. like starting to get into this though, and seeing these all of these chained pieces, this is when I start to get overwhelmed because in my brain there could be like fifty thousand different ways to chain things together, and that gets into like the danger like alert zone for Alyssa because I'm like, oh great, there's an, yet again other branches and paths and decisions to make. So mm -hmm. if someone's starting to use this or interested in using it, um, is there a best practices for observables or even RxJS so that you don't start doing stupid things right off the bat? Well, uh, what do you think, John? 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you my opinion is that I think that the docs and the videos and stuff that I've seen, honestly, while they're brilliant for once you get past the beginner, they're not good for beginners. Most mm -hmm. of the RxJS stuff I've read is overwhelming because like one of the first experiences I had with it was, hey, I'm going to go to the website and look at the operators. And four gajillion of them appear and I'm like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. Uh, why am I doing this? What, what do I need to do? And it's not, I mean, that's what you, you want that in docs. But I wanted a, okay, first of all, what, what am I using this for? Oh, RxJS is for events really, like for helping with uh, handling events. Okay. Or maybe throwing your own or handling ones in frameworks. Okay, so the HTTP example and the routing example that Ward mentioned makes sense. But then the next step is figuring out, like, like Alyssa said, what's the minimal viable product that I can get to to say, this is kind of how I step into it gently. You know, not the, uh, the complex examples that you see that are, you know, really cool, but are using 50 operators. It's more the, how do I step in, just, you know, put my toe in the water, see if it's too warm or too cold. Uh, and honestly, I haven't seen a lot of great examples of that, but I do know that the best one I've seen is uh, being edited by Ward and it's being written by uh, Brandon, I think, right, on the Angular Docs Ward? Yeah, we're working on just this question about how to, um, how to figure out what the the core things are the, that you're going to typically do in an angular application and so while there are a hundred or plus operators or things like that uh there's probably a handful maybe 10 that you're going to use over and over again Ooh, do we get a sneak peek can we know <laughs> <laughs> well we're still whittling down we're still deciding on what that what those 10 are i think that there are some there are a, a set though that that are uncontroversial. Um, for example, map, um, which is you're going to take a value, you're going to take something, and you're going to take some values in, and you're going to morph them somehow, and you're going to put them out. And map is yes. different than map two. No, not map two. Forget about map two. Just pretend that doesn't even exist. Just Wait, map. But what, we what love is, map two. I'm confused now. <laughs> I never use map two. <laughs> Oh, well, you're there's, telling there's me. map, map two, flat map, merge map, switch map, happy map. Uh, you know, it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, you guys, I'm trying to make this sound appetizing, <laughs> and you guys are taking me, dragging me under the. Under sorry, the way sorry. Okay. So, stop. Let, let's map. let's toss the softball up. If you're doing an HTTP call ward and you're yep. using RxJS, yes. the most common things you're going to use are map right. You're going to map your response, exactly. and you might use catch. Right? I would if I was going to do anything about errors. Yes. Yeah, dot catch. Why would you need that? Why would you need why, that? Why would you need that? <laughs> <laughs> I, would right. worry. I could worry about it if I were you. I just All right. Wouldn't. So, well, most people don't worry about errors until it's too late. Dot map, dot catch, you're going to get those. All right? You're just going to get those. So, those are on everybody's list. And you can get. And I'm going to stop you there, Ward, because when I first did RxJS and with you, we kind of went to experience in similar timeframes. I was able to get by using just those two for months. Yep, months. Absolutely. Wait, but what about like things like scan? Don't need it. Okay, that's a relief because I was trying to wrap my head around that, and I was like, uh, okay, I think I get it, but why? Well, now, there's I delay, just said cancel, and scan, and all these others. They're all really useful, Alyssa, but. If you just need to get by with like HTTP or handling some of these things, I mean, once you understand what map and catch do, and subscribe comes out of the box, right? 
you're, I think you're okay for a while. You really are. And when I said that jokingly, you don't need it. I mean, I, you don't need that skin unless you're going to try and do um, some kind of reduxy type thing. All right. So, and I'm assuming that's not what you're asking. All right. And there's another concept count, right? So yeah, exactly. Again, let's limit the concept count. When I learn something new, I'm like, give me that. Just give me the beef. What do I really need to get to? Yeah. I, and I was afraid as soon as I said, ah, you're not going to need it. I was going to get, I suddenly saw myself flooded by emails from people <laughs> saying, how can you not love my favorite operator? And I was just, feel, I had to say, no, no, no. I love it. I love I, that's It's wonderful. But listen, that's not the place to start. Dot map and dot catch are good places to start. Uh, another one that you probably don't know, but you will want to know at some point would be, um, oh, brother. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Um, the old brother I'm, operator. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is because unless I remember to write it down, I get it backwards. It's either that then until or then anyway, until then. And I can't remember. To you more. Uh, <laughs> no, no, right. no, I rename things yes, all the time in my head. There's no shame in that. Um, <laughs> I can forget how the Yeah, in fact, I do that too. I actually rename Word once in a while. <laughs> I still remember watching you forget the four operators. So don't you give me this. <laughs> I, did. I did. And I remember you just had a brain infarction there and suddenly you couldn't write a dot four. Oh my God. That's the best. Did you, did you get it on camera? Yeah. It's a for loop. Uh, me and my buddy who's in my buddy's brilliant. We were writing really complex code and then we had to write a for loop. <laughs> And we, there was no IntelliSense in the editor we were using. And we reversed two of the parameters, the arguments. One was the incrementer and the other one was the condition. And we put them in the wrong place. And we spent like a good 20 to 30 seconds just staring at each other, making stupid comments. So <laughs> it was, we left it in the video. It's in a plural side play by play because we were just uh, laughing yeah. so hard afterwards. Like, That's every, wonderful. <laughs> everybody does this stuff, except for Ward, except for Ward. No, well, I just did it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't for the life of me remember it. All right. Well, um, I, I'm kind of going to push us back up the tree a little bit because Please. you know we're talking about all of these things you know scan well you're not going to need it well maybe you'll need it um you know here's how you do this here's how you do that but you know we, we kind of started out talking about what does this buy you i mean what what does this get you what where Thank does you. where does this get you to i mean you know yeah, it's and that in. still takes me a while to think about so I, I'd feel love like to hear that one right sentence. now what is that one just, sentence right now it's just it gets you to not be such a noob in the community is what I'm and, feeling. Cause yeah, everybody that is giving. no, that is no reason to yeah. adopt it. That well, is just a terrible reason to adopt it. But, but I feel you, I feel you. Um, and so like, let, can I, can I just jump in here? It seems like there are two things we're talking about. Cause one is, is you're talking about HTTP and similar things that are already built into angular. And then there are the other things that you could wind up building in yourself, maybe in a service or something. But it seems like they all buy you the same thing or the same kind of flexibility or power tools or whatever you're talking about. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. All right, so so let's get why the why where does this where does observable shine and does it matter to me as a as, as I'm writing an application and then we can circle back to uh, whether 
you know, whether we should use them everywhere. Well, just to clarify, you said where does observable shine? Are we all in agreement that RxJS is basically just observables? Like It's an implementation of the observables uh, pattern. Okay, so there's nothing else hidden that I should know about that it also does? I don't think that, it, it, that worrying about that would be helpful at this okay. point. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. What does it get us? So, um, what? Is, so, what? Ha what happens here? Because I had promise in my head all along as a way to deal with it. Except that that the first thing that occurs to you is that that's great for that, but it doesn't do jack for you when there are streams of events when there's more than one. Promise is great when you're expecting one result and only one result. Um, but it turns out there are lots of times in your application when you're going to have more than one result. Uh, and you know that because if you're listening to events raised by the browser, you're not going to be able to hang a promise over that, right? I mean, if you were watching keystrokes, you're going to get more so, than yeah. one. So I was going to say, let's give an example here, right? Because HTTP, most of us would say that most of our cases with HTTP is literally just give me one and I'm done. Mm -hmm. Right. Not all the cases. And I think nope. Ward will explain that. But there's some places where you can't be one and done. And I think listening to keystrokes is one of those. Listening to keystrokes is one of those. Let's suppose you've decided that you wanted to create a message service to link together different parts of your component. All right. And you, you know, like they want to hear, the different components want to know when um, a new message has, arri has uh, arrived. Maybe because uh, somebody's changing the customer or somebody's doing, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, something that uh, other components need to be aware of, that something is opening or closing. You know, that's kind of a typical thing, right? And you expect to be watching for those changes. What are you going to do? Without observables, you know, you might have you some kind of event that you're going to hang a, a callback on is that how you would do it how would you do it Alyssa yeah definitely I mean the first way it was with the callbacks which is the old school like OG way of doing it but no I mean, and, it, and, it, and it worked but now now so let's follow that let's suppose that you wanted to to know when you had set up a message bus and there was some message that you were looking for that your component was supposed to respond to. All right. Maybe okay. when, maybe it was supposed to update when the customer that you're currently showing on screen happens to have something happen to it. All right. So you listen to the customer bus message bus, but you're, you know, that message bus is talking about all kinds of customers. They're not necessarily talking about your customer, right? So you go back and you change the callback to say, all, all right, yeah, I heard the message, but now I want to filter out just for my customer, customer with ID 42, right? But then you realize you're not actually interested in everything that happens uh, to customer 42, uh, but just certain things that happen to customer 42. So you go back and you revise your callbacks, all right? And you do something else. And then you realize that that message bus is also pumping out other things that you're interested in. So you add. So so do you split the callback into multiple paths or do you go in and listen to it again with a different callback? You know what I mean? In other words, it just no, yeah. starts to it starts to ramify. And you start Word, my and head you hurts. revisit. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you just 
You, you know, you're, this is where bugs happen, right? You just keep going back and changing the same code over and over again because you have no way of um, uh, breaking those things down into separate operations that can be plugged together. So, and, 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 and one I, of the things you, you – sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that an observable solves this for us, but is there any danger in using too many? I mean, like, it's constantly yes. listening. Is it going to be like, oh, you've reached 50 observables. You're screwed, right? Like, what? What? what's our, our well, number not, here? Yeah, not so. your numbers so much as it is. Anytime you're doing eventing, right, you, you've got to be careful of those kind of things in general. But there are a few gotchas with observables, like anything. And it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just you've got to be aware of what you're doing. Uh, and some of them are what do you, what do you call them? Words self cleanup. <laughs> Is that what we're saying? Where they clean themselves, clean up after themselves. Yeah. And some you kind of have to do yourself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, but but actually, it helps you consult. Here's when when observables start to save you, right? Because if you look back at the thing I was talking about, mate, what's the tempting thing to do? And the way I used to always do it before is I would create a service that had multiple instead of I would create a service, a message bus that would say have a different event for one kind of thing and another event, a completely separate event for another kind of thing. And yet a new event. Every time I wanted to, to create, to, to send a new message down there, I was creating new, um, events for somebody to listen to so that they didn't have to weed things out. And so pretty soon my service was bristling with a, with endpoints on it. Because I had no really good way of, of doing these filterings and transformations, letting the consumer do these filtering and transformations. It was too hard for them. But now, the thing about observables is that it, um, because it is so easy to chain on things that filter and transform and delay and consolidate and debounce, because it's so easy to do those things, I can actually have a very simple message bus that pumps out messages and count on my consumer being able, you know, which is your component, being able to, to consume that observable stream very easily using the primitives, uh, a few primitives from the collection of observable operators. Can I ask you a question, like uh, to put this into like an example? So I'm thinking even in like Angular 1, uh, Angular JS version 1, if we had an app and we had a lot of events or even like in .NET or anything else, what I could do is create an eventing class or file or module that maybe I've got 50 different kinds of events and I might literally create 50 different events that I send off that other places listen to. Mm -hmm. With observables then, could I, maybe I shouldn't, but could I then just create one observable that takes all those and sends off events like you've logged in, you've logged out, um, second person's logged in on the same account, um, you know, customer just saved this record. Whatever these messages are, have one observable that kind of sends these things off and then let all the components in my application just filter them and deal with them. Exactly right, John. Thank you. That's a great example. And there's actually a pretty good example of that in Angular world itself, namely the router. The router has a single observable that tells you everything that, that the router is doing. And you can just listen to it. And then you can decide what, it, what you know, it's going to tell you about all kinds of things that the router did. You're not interested in all of those. You can filter out the ones that you want. And in Angular then, 1, we had to subscribe to each of the different, or hang a listener basically off of each of the different router events. 
like exactly. state changed error success etc well and the other thing that i really love about observables is that um let's say that you just do the first widget in the chain or the first um the first i forget what operator the first operator in the chain right so it's only filter out these events well if you have 10 things downstream that all care about only those kinds of events um since that first filter returns an observable you can have all the other ones build off of that so you don't have to build 10 pipelines you build one pipeline as far as it goes that's in common and then you have everything else hang off of that exactly exactly now now so the question is do i does this actually happen in my app right uh is it you know or are we just talking about some strange cases and so um i try to think about about that uh and and what I what I discovered is that that yes my applications do have things that fit this and moreover there were things that I want I've always wanted to do but that were too hard to do that are actually easy to do and observable so um, I was missing opportunities so let me try a, a couple of those uh, on you I mean there's a, there's a classic example of the of the search box right where you want the thing to the screen to refresh all the time as you're typing in there and you realize that as you're typing search terms in there, you can't be hitting the server every time uh, somebody hits the keystroke because that's not going to be good for you. <laughs> um, so it's, it's very easy to bounce um, at a, uh, uh, you know, the keystrokes and only send them out periodically when the user stops and things like that. That's a, tr you know, it's just trivial to do in, in, um, observables uh, with RxJS, but it's rather hard to do yourself, particularly if you're you're trying to make sure that 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 uh, you took a search term previously and you sent it off to the server to get a result back, and now you don't want that anymore because the user typed something else. So you really are you only want to present the user with the very latest greatest of whatever the search was, and you have to make sure that that happens right. You can't. You, and since you can't know when the server is going to reply, you don't. And if you got two answers back from the server, you don't know which is the right one. That's really hard to straighten out by hand. So, so what we typically do is say, throw our hands up in the air and say, I'm not going to solve that problem. I'll just deal with all of the chatter, all right, and I'll just keep it in the server. But with observables, it's actually rather trivial to make sure that you um, you you only send out uh, requests when the user stops typing, and also if they set, somehow start a new request before the old one comes out, that you discard the results from the old request and you get and you keep the results from the new request. Very easy to do, and and so uh, I say, wow, I'm like I'm liking that. I'm liking observables for that, or you know. So then I get to the next thing. I've got um, you know I I know that at any moment. Um, some new information is going to come down the line from the server, mainly because maybe I've got a socket and I'm listening, or maybe because I'm polling, like a stock market ticket or a news ticker. And I need to send that, every time something comes down, I need to send that out to whatever component cares about it. That's pretty hard to do with, with promises, right? But pretty, it's darn easy with an observable. Um, if I'm thinking about a mobile application, what are the chances that the user might, you know, you know, they're on Wi-Fi and they, or, or they're on their phones and, and they might lose the connection right in the middle of a query. Pretty good, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Reasonable. All right. Yeah. All right. So 
you know what how much fun it is to try and catch that and retry write the logic to retry because you saw that what the reason that it failed had nothing to do with the server being bad it's just that you lost the connection you know how hard that is to write with promises i mean i do but it's really easy to do with observables or how about this? You know, I'm in another case where I've got three services that could give me the answer. Maybe I'm looking for a credit score, right? And um, I, I, I don't care which service gives me the answer first. Maybe I'm looking for prices. Maybe I'm looking for a credit score. Who knows? I just want an answer from somebody, right? So I fire, I, I want to fire out uh, a request for information to three or four of these different places. And the first one back wins. I'd like to be able to do that. That's not that's not an easy thing to do with promises. So we're, we're, we're giving some scenarios here, and I think what might work out is, and I'm thinking this through my head here, and I'll ask you guys live. I'd like to kind of consider this episode's more about, of, of this show for our listeners, if you're thinking like Alyssa was in the beginning here, what, do I really need to learn this? When is it useful? Uh, is this a thing I should invest my time in learning, and what parts of it should I? Whereas maybe we could do a follow-up episode that talks more about here's some really great places to use it and here's how you should use it and, you know, pros and cons and gotchas and things. What do you think? That sounds fair to me, John. Yeah, we've um, already been Alyssa, talking for our most of our time, so I like the, I like the idea too. Yeah. And I'm Alyssa, ending more on a – Yeah, I'm better? ending more on a like this is something that's going to make your life easier. And I've got a couple of specific examples of how it's going to make your life easier. For instance, like he's saying with you know, your connection lost on mobile, really hard to do with promises. Um, but I am looking forward to part two just to know um, more of the parts that people – should dive into right away that people are using more commonly. Um, and I already have, like you guys gave me things like subscribe, obviously, but catch and map and things like that. But I'd love to get more into that and specific examples next time. So, but thank you guys. I'm definitely, but I'm more excited about it now after having this conversation. All right. Well then, then that, then that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 because it is so easy to get lost in the details and, um, yeah. So I, I, I think you should have that. I think that there's hope that we, we can offer good hope that um, there are baby steps you can take along the way uh, and um, start getting value from observables. And so I circle back to one of your original questions, uh, Alyssa, which is, um, would, do I do it every day? Well, yeah, yes, actually I do. And um, in fact, I've come to the point where I I'm saying I'm not going to use promises anymore. And I'm like, what? And, and why would you do that? <laughs> why would you? How would, and my answer is this. Um, and we'll, we'll explore this again later. But given that I'm using observables for all these other use cases, and given that it's really easy to use it in the one case where I've used promises before, like when HTTP returns a result, why would I have two ways of handling events in my application? No, that seems really actually the logical next step of just replacing promises, as long as that's not too extreme, right? Like, yeah. Well, and I, you know, at first I thought it was too extreme, but it turns out that once you started using them, um, they work perfectly fine in the garden variety one and done promise case. They work just perfectly fine there. And now I only have one strategy for coping with events, whether it's a single event that I'm expecting or a parade of events I'm expecting. And so 
my recent uh, evolution is that I'm doing without promises. All right. Um, I'm going to jump in here because uh, we, we have some people under some time crunches, and I think you've really made the point well, Ward. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into picks, and we will do a part two on this within the next week or two. Uh, John, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah. Uh, first, and my only pick is there's um, sometimes when I'm out and about and I'm on my phone or iPod or iPad or whatever you might be on, uh, you end up getting on like guest Wi-Fi or you're using your own cell, um, you know, your LTE or whatever you're using. You kind of wonder sometimes who's watching my phone or who's watching my traffic. Uh, you know, what are the people who are uh, websites I'm hitting? What are they tracking? There's actually some cool software you can use, which is super easy to use and in, uh, not invasive at all, and to me at least, that will help protect you on these things and report back what's happening. And the one that I've kind of gotten to like is one that uh, buddy of mine, Troy Hunt, who's a security expert out there, has recommended in the past. It's called Freedome, and I'll put the link there in the show notes. Uh, and I use it on my Apple products all the time, and you can buy subscriptions to it, and I think the cheapest one they have is like 30 bucks or something for the year. But basically, you install this app on there, and it enables a VPN so that when you're using your phone, whether you're on Wi-Fi or otherwise, you're actually running this uh, tra traffic through them, and they're not tracking your usage, but instead they're just reporting back who's trying to track on what you're doing, which uh, to me, it makes me feel better about it, especially since I have kids, and I put this on their phones and devices too, and it's super useful for making sure that we're using the internet safely. So wait a minute, does it screen things out or does it keep people from eavesdropping? Yeah, it screens things out and it's got reporting and stuff that you can track and monitor. Uh, it's also got a special report for Vladimir Putin and what he might be watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, even just the I don't know anything about the connection I'm on and I don't want anyone yes. you know, watching what I'm doing or watching what my kids are doing because creepy, right? Um, a VPN is yes. super nice for that. And yeah, it sometimes slows your network, your connection down a little bit, but it's, it's an encrypted tunnel. So everything that goes through is encrypted, which is super nice. And what was a big important piece for me too, is like I tether to my iPhone quite a bit and Ward and I had this conversation a couple days ago when I'm out, like my laptop is using guest Wi-Fi, I will tether to my iPhone so mm -hmm. I can use that connection because I want other people attaching to what I'm doing you know, over like a Starbucks Wi-Fi. So I'll still do that. And this VPN does not prevent that at all. So I'm oh, still getting cool. good speeds and everything. So it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Nice. I got to, I got to find about this cause I'm kind of open kimono out there. I'm really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, it, uh, I, there must be something I'm doing wrong there. So, um, <laughs> oy. all right, I, Alyssa, what are your picks? Um, so my picks this week are basically just two courses on RxJS on Egghead. I freaking love Egghead. And right now, um, there's just a basic, like, what is RxJS? So if you are a beginner and you just would like a little bit more on that, Ben Lesh has, like, a, literally a quick video on that. And then 
Um, the actual creator of Egghead, John Linquist, has an entire course on it with just plain JavaScript. So sometimes stripping out Angular and just focusing on that one part, I find it helpful personally to focus on one thing at a time and then bring it all together. So yeah, those two courses, I put the links there. But uh, I would love, 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 love the thing that Ward and Brandon are working on as well. So I just don't know if we can get an ETA on that, but that's going to be my third pick. <laughs> Right. Well, I hope I can honor it. <laughs> All right. No, I'm done. T I'm done talking today. <laughs> All right. Should I step in with some picks then? Please do. All right. So as we record this um, last week, so as you listen to this, it's like three or four weeks ago. Um, we recorded an episode on RxJS with Ben Lesh on JavaScript Jabber. So go check that out. Uh, they explain a lot of what observables are, um, what the reactive extensions mean, what um, the different, I always forget, operators, what the different operators are. Um, they talked a little bit about writing your own operators, uh, just a lot of great stuff. And you get to hear uh, Tracy Lee make Ben sing <laughs> on the podcast. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so definitely check that out. Um, one other thing I'm going to uh, pick, I, I tend to pick a lot of business stuff on the show these days because that's kind of the world that I'm living in, just trying to streamline all the stuff for the podcasts. Um, I've been using a tool called 17 Hats. It's a CRM and it's centered around workflows. Uh, most of the other CRMs that I found that center around workflows, they actually center them around deals, which usually have a monetary outcome and not all of the workflows that I need with people have a monetary outcome, like bringing people on the show and stuff like that. So um, anyway, it was, it, it's been really nice just to have these workflows so I can just drop people in them, add them to a workflow. Um, and then make sure that I get everything I need from them and they get everything they need from me and that it's super awesome. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, picking 17 hats. If you're kind of in a business situation, you have some sales workflows or other, hey, I need this from these people workflows. It's a great tool. So, yeah, uh, loving that. And, uh, yeah, those are my picks. So uh, thanks for volunteering to do this, Ward. I think it cleared up a lot of things for me and just kind of went for me, it was just kind of eye opening to see how it all comes together and how it's already in place and doing work for me in angular. So, you know, thanks for clearing that up and I'm looking forward to part two. Yeah. Well, uh, that's great. Um, I'm so glad to hear it. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and we'll catch you all next week. Hey everybody, this is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there.